The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, welcome back to the financial physician, Lou Scatigna here. Thanks so much for joining us. We get together each and every Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. on the West Coast, and we talk money, we talk politics, and we talk markets. And you may say, why does politics get stuck in there between money and markets? And that's because... Politics affects everything in our financial life. What happens in Washington affects us in so many different ways, whether it be tax policy, uh, how and what you pay for health insurance. We'll talk about Obamacare and how that affects you. Uh, So things that happen in Washington affect us in so many different ways. Estate taxes, income taxes, uh, uh, internet sales tax they're talking about as well. So certainly uh, Washington hits our pocketbook in so many different ways, and it is – totally related to, to personal finance and markets. So let's talk, uh, start talking about what's going on in Washington and uh, how it affects tax policy. As you all know, uh, there's been a number of scandals affecting the Obama administration right now, and I think the most egregious one and the one that has the, the most legs is going to be uh, the IRS targeting of conservative groups uh, for 503 uh, C4 status, which is a tax-exempt status uh, for certain organizations. And apparently, uh, if you were a progressive liberal organization, you had no problem getting that status approved very quickly. Uh, But if you were a conservative group and had Tea Party in your name or Patriot or anything like that, uh, then you were uh, put under incredible scrutiny. And for many of these organizations, they never did receive their tax-exempt status or when they finally did it, it was uh, after the election. And this is big-time stuff. This is corruption at the highest levels of government. And it should make everybody nervous, distressed, chilled, whatever you want to use as an adjective for this. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican makes no difference. But using the IRS uh, to target political enemies uh, is just uh, third-world stuff, banana republic stuff. Stuff that you see in the former Soviet Union. That's how big this is. Now, originally, uh, the administration, which will has trouble telling the truth virtually on everything, whether it's Benghazi, whether it's uh, uh, Fast and Furious, whether it's the Justice Department targeting Fox News or, or the Associated Press. I mean, they just never come out and tell the truth. They'll parse words. They'll avoid saying things, but they'll never tell us exactly what's going on. And that's a big problem. When your government avoids telling you what's true, uh, we have a big problem here. So initially they said this was uh, done by a couple of rogue agents in the the Cincinnati office. Uh, And now it's coming out that that certainly was not the case. 
And uh, yesterday on um, one of the Sunday talk shows, uh, uh, Representative Daryl Issa, who's the head of the, um, the Government Oversight Committee, uh, the Republican from California, uh, accused the White House of lying about the involvement of the IRS headquarter officials in Washington. And it was amazing. I, he called White House Press Secretary Jay Carney, quote unquote, a paid liar. They don't usually hear stuff like that in Washington. Even if someone is lying, they usually say, well, he's um, uh, not recollecting correctly or that's not what he said. But uh, to call him a paid liar is, is really something uh, that's uh, serious stuff and uh, not usually used that kind of language in Washington. So that just goes to show you uh, how impassioned um, Daryl Issa is and the information that he has. This is his quote. The administration is still their paid liar, their spokesperson picture behind is a picture of Jay Carney behind him. He's still making up things about what happens and calling this local rogue. So uh, Daryl Issa said that on CNN's State of the Union yesterday, Sunday. And he said, quote, the reason that Lois Lerner tried to take the Fifth Amendment when called to testify before Congress is not because there's a rogue in Cincinnati. It's because this is a problem that was coordinated in all likelihood right out of Washington headquarters and we're getting to proving it. Okay, and that's the key here. The administration has been interviewing people, IRS employees. Another quote from Daryl Issa yesterday. The administration is still trying to say there's a few rogue agents in Cincinnati when, in fact, the indication is they were directly being ordered from Washington. Now, investigators from two House committees, the Oversight and Government Reform and Ways and Means Committee, are questioning IRS workers from the Cincinnati office. And ISA said that these interviews provide evidence that orders stemmed from Washington. So, again, you have an administration that comes out and says, no, it wasn't there. But, of course, it is. And that's very disturbing. Very, very disturbing. Whether it's furious, fast and furious, we have a denial, and it's true they knew about it. Uh, then when we had uh, the issue with uh, the Fox News, um, bugging of Fox News and so forth, uh, James Rosen, uh, it looks like Eric Holder committed perjury May 15th when he said that he was not involved in anything like that. And sure enough, he signed off uh, on the affidavit to do this. So uh, we have an administration that basically does what they want and does not fess up when confronted with it. They obfuscate. They lie. Uh, they delay. They do not provide documents. They do not provide people to testify. And the thing about this administration that amazes me is nobody resigns. Lois Lerner, you know, the head of the IRS department, the commissioner of tax exempt affairs, right, who, who signed off on all these uh, investigations or whatever you want to call them, closer scrutiny of these conservative groups, goes to Capitol Hill, basically uh, reads a statement exonerating herself, uh, and then declares uh, that she's going to take the Fifth Amendment when she's asked a question which is problematic in of itself in that you know you can't go out there and defend yourself and then not answer any questions and say I'm taking the fifth. But again, the reason why she took the fifth, according to Daryl Issa, based on evidence that he has now, is because it, she was thoroughly involved in this, and she was in Washington, and she was directing this. Now, who knows who was directing her? Uh, that has to be found out later on. Back to Issa. My gut tells me that too many people knew that this wrongdoing was going on before the election. And at least by some sort of convenient, benign neglect, allowed it to go on through the election. 
allowed these groups, these conservative groups, these, if you will, not friends of the president, to be disenfranchised through an election. Now, I'm not making any allegations as to motive that they set out to do it, but, but certainly people knew what was happening. So basically what he's intimating here is that this was a suppression of the electoral process. And I'll add to it, I think this was part of a multi-pronged strategy to swing the election Obama's way, a very close election at that. Suppression of conservative groups' ability to raise capital means that they could not run advertising, and therefore they were disenfranchised. You add to that, uh, in Ohio, a few uh, voting machines, a certain percent of voting machines that you vote for Romney, and it switches over to Obama. There was a lot of reports of that and some other uh, voter suppression tactics. And um, you have a stolen election. And that's what this is really shining some light on. Is this election legitimate, given the actions of this administration? And it was a very close election. You know, a state here, a state here, Ohio, Florida, you know, who knows? So this is very serious stuff. And Americans, if there's one branch of government that Americans fear the most, it's the IRS. And for the IRS to be targeting certain individuals, certain groups that do not agree with the administration, is chilling. It really is chilling. And it is big time stuff. And look, they're going to find out more and more about it. Now, uh, ISA released some transcribed, uh, transcribed excerpts uh, uh, from um, an interview with a Cincinnati IRS employee. And it made, made it clear that it was Washington telling them what to do. And here's the question and answer. Sometime in early, um, to the best of your recollection, when was this request made? Now, this is an anonymous right now uh, IRS employee. Sometime in early March of 2010. Did your supervisor give you any indication of the need for the search or any more context? Uh, he told me that Washington, D.C. wanted some of the cases. But just to be clear, she told you the specific names of these applicants? Yes. And she told you that Washington, D.C. had requested these two specific applications be sent to D.C.? Yes, or parts of them. So what do you think about this? That uh, that allegation has been made. I think as you have seen in lots of press reports that there were two rogue agents in Cincinnati that are sort of responsible for all the issues that we've been talking about today. What do you think about those allegations? And he says it's impossible. As an agent, we are controlled by many, many people. We have to submit many, many reports. So the chance of two agents being rogue and doing things like that can never happen. Could never happen is what he said. So you uh, ultimately followed directions from Washington. Is that correct? If direction had come down from Washington, yes. But with respect to the particular scrutiny that was given to Tea Party applications, those directions emanated from Washington. Is that right? I believe so, was the answer of this uh, currently anonymous IRS agent in Cincinnati. And, you know, ICE is doing this right. He's going step by step. He's peeling layers of the onion away. One at a time. And sooner or later, someone who's going to be culpable and uh, at risk of criminal prosecution uh, will be offered immunity and we'll find out more and more about what happened here. But what happened here is something that is, is, is not anything short of chilling. Every American should be concerned about it, not just conservatives, not just Republicans, because you're going to have another Democrats will have a Republican president again. 
And will they want a Republican president to say, well, you know, Obama did it. He got away with it. Then maybe I should do it too and target progressive and liberal organizations or individuals. And I think we're going to find that this is just the tip of the iceberg, that many individuals, many companies, and many uh, uh, tax-exempt groups or what should be tax-exempt groups have been unfairly targeted uh, by this IRS. And if that's the case, I mean, indictments should be handed down. As, as Daryl Issa has said, people should go to jail. And, and I'm in total agreement of that. So again, politics affects our money. It certainly affects the tax situation for people who are conservative uh, over the last couple of years. Right, we're going to take a break. Uh, it's time for your phone calls. If you want to be part of the program, 866-472-5788 is the phone number. We take any question, any comment on any money matter right here on the financial position, 866-472-5788. I'm Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Once again, here's Lou. All right, welcome back. Lou Scatigna here, also known as The Financial Physician. We get together Mondays, 9 a.m. Eastern Time and... 6 a.m. on the West Coast. Show repeats in the evening, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Uh, on the West Coast. So you could also listen to the program uh, on uh, Voice America's website anytime you want. As a matter of fact, every program we've recorded will be there, and you can listen to it at your leisure. Also, I want to remind you about my website, thefinancialphysician.com. On that website, we uh, archive the radio shows. We have a, a very important uh, blog that I do. 
updated almost every day, and I bring to you on that blog information that you're probably not going to read uh, about in the New York Times. Uh, financial information you're not going to hear about on CNBC. You know, a lot of this stuff isn't reported, but we'll tell you about it, and we'll tell you what's going on in the real world. I have videos. I have my own articles, uh, uh, excerpts from my book, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health, which is something else that you should all have, uh, a copy of the book. I think it's um, about $11 on Amazon.com right now. So it's uh, the best $11 that you could ever spend. And we talk about America and how we've gone uh, the wrong way financially. Now, the average family has made big mistakes uh, and how to avoid those mistakes and how to make them better, how to repair those mistakes. Some of those mistakes are something as simple as buying new cars every three or four years. We talk about how detrimental to your financial health that is. Buying too much home. How many people did that years ago and now paid the price for it? We teach you how to buy the right home at the right price that you can afford and the entire home buying process. We talk about investments. We talk about insurance. We talk about financial psychology and estate planning, and we do it in a very down-to-earth, easy-to-read way. That's the financial physician, how to cure your money problems and boost your financial health. Okay, let's talk about uh, what's going on really in the economy. I mean, uh, a lot of people in the government want to come out and say things are getting better, that we have a recovery at hand here. And there's certain, there's some statistics that indicate that maybe housing is getting a little better, maybe uh, unemployment's getting a little better. But here we are, um, five years into a recovery. The Fed's kept interest rates at zero percent for five years, has printed trillions of dollars worth of money and pushed it into the economy. And here we are in 2013 with an economy that's growing about 1%, where we still have stubbornly high unemployment rates, where wages, our real wages are going down in America. But here are some uh, other statistics that I think are very troubling. And I'm sure it's troubling to the Americans that fit into this category. Uh, the U.S. Census Bureau has reported that 15% of Americans now live in poverty. Now, that's a shocking figure, but I think it's too low. I think that's underestimating uh, the poverty in the United States. And inequality is spreading uh, across the country where the rich are getting richer and the middle class is becoming the poverty class. And we'll talk more about that later on in the program. And many, uh, many households uh, have no financial security and they can barely get by. So here is a few uh, – I think what do we have here? We have uh, uh, a few um, – statistics that I think uh, are really disturbing. Almost half Americans have no assets, and this is in 2009. Now, that's the most up-to-date figures we have. And that's, that's stunning, that half of Americans have no assets, have nothing, do not have $1,000 in a bank and live paycheck to paycheck or Social Security check to Social Security check or welfare check to welfare check or food stamps to food stamps. And these are um, the infamous uh, Mitt Romney's 47% who are alleged takers. And their debt exceeded uh, their assets in 2009. Half of Americans had more debt than assets. And it's even worse three years later. Since the recession, uh, the wealth gap has continued to grow. And uh, the OECD, uh, I don't know who that is, uh, I'm reading it off an article, uh, report states that inequality has increased by more over the past three years 
to the end of 2010 than in the previous 12. Again, they're still behind during 2010 numbers. With the United States experiencing one of the widest gaps amongst the countries that the OECD follows. And the 30-year decline in wages has worsened since the recession as low-wage jobs have replaced formerly secure middle-income positions. And we're seeing that all over. Anecdotal evidence all over. My client base, I'm seeing it. People who had what look like secure middle-class jobs in management or what have you uh, have been downsized, let go, whatever you want to call it. And now, even though they may have 20 years' experience as a manager, can't find a job paying anywhere near what they were making in the past. And it's a desperate time for these people. And many of you, you know, know this, but you know, put yourself in someone's shoes. I mean, imagine you're making a good job. You're bringing home 130000 a year or so, working for a company for a long time, believe you're going to retire there. And then all of a sudden, uh, you get the pink slip. And here you are at 55 years old and uh, looking for a job. Right at the age where maybe your children are going to college, when you're trying to plan for retirement. And now you're out there uh, unemployed a year, two years. And when you exhaust your benefits, and let's face it, you know, the benefits you get on unemployment, you know, a lot of people say, well, nobody goes to work because they get on unemployment. Well, that's not the case for people uh, in the middle class. They don't want unemployment. They want a job. Now, the people in the lower class, that may not be the case. But these people who are making over $100,000 a year do not want three or $400 a week in unemployment. It doesn't cut it. I mean, these people have, have lifestyles that were, were, were generated around the income that they were bringing in. That includes the mortgage payment they have, their car payments, all that kind of stuff. So if they don't have that income, they no longer can afford that lifestyle. And that's what we've seen across America. We've seen the decline in wages as more and more people have lost good-paying jobs and now have to settle uh, for lower-paying jobs. Based on wage figures, half of Americans are now in or near poverty. The IRS reports the highest wage in the bottom half of earners is about $34,000 a year. To be eligible for food assistance and food stamps, a family can earn up to 130% of the federal poverty line, or about $30,000 for a family of four. And even the Census Bureau recognizes that its own figures underrepresent the number of people in poverty. Its supplemental poverty measure increases by 50% the number of Americans who earn between one-half and two times the poverty threshold. Based on household expenses, um, expense totals, poverty is creeping into the top half of America. A family in the top half making 60000 per year will have their income reduced by a total tax bill of about $15,000. 3000 for federal income tax and 12000 for payroll state and local taxes. The Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Census Bureau agree that food, housing, and transportation expenses will deduct another 30000 and the total household expenditures will be about 50000 and that leaves nothing. Nothing except that. And the median debt level rose to 75600 in 2009, while the median family net worth, according to the Federal Reserve, dropped from 126400 in 2007 to 77,300 in 2010. So in 2010, we're looking at um, half the people who have a debt of 75,600 and assets of 77,300. 
And uh, it's a shame. The difference in the wealthy and the middle class and the poor. It was announced last week that um, this is a study according uh, released by the Boston Consulting Group. They say the wealthiest 1% of Americans now own 39% of all the wealth in the world. I want to repeat that for you. The wealthiest 1% now own 39% of all the wealth in the world. Meanwhile, the bottom 50% only own 1% of all the wealth in the world combined. That's an amazing statistic. 50% of people who are living on the planet own 1% of the wealth. And the wealthiest 1% own 39%. Now, I'll tell you, I'm a conservative guy. And I believe in free enterprise and I believe in capitalism. And I believe people take risk and they, they should make the reward. But in the bigger picture here, obviously, uh, this is not the way the world should function, where 1% of the people in the world own 39% of all the wealth. And these 1% are the elite. And you know the elite, the people control the money, control the people. So this is not a good situation. The gap between the wealthy and the poor continues to expand at a frightening pace. The global elite continue to hoard wealth and heap together enormous mountains of treasure in these troubled days, even though the economic suffering around the planet continues. Now, this comes from um, BLN uh, News, Michael Snyder. And uh, so exactly how has the elite um, accumulated so much wealth? Well, one of the primary reasons is the use of debt. And they could use debt in a way that we can't. And I don't want to get into the details of it, but the wealthy use leverage and they use debt. And they use other people's money. And that's how they build wealth. But when you have too much wealth in, a, in the hands of just too few people, uh, it almost always results in, in tyranny. And that looks like where we're going to in the world. You know, there's a talk of the one world government and all that stuff. And it seems that the bounty of the world uh, is going to a very small handful of people. And it's very destabilizing. According to a report that was released last summer, the global elite have up to $32 trillion stashed in offshore banks around the planet. According to a study conducted by Credit Suisse, the bottom two-thirds of the global population owns just 3.3% of all the wealth. Think about that. The bottom two-thirds owns just 3.3% of all the world's wealth. A study by the World Institute for Development Economics Research discovered that the bottom half of the world population owns approximately 1% of all the global wealth. Bottom half, 1%. It is estimated that the entire continent of Africa, the entire continent, only owns approximately 1% of the total wealth of the world. Obviously, that's where extreme poverty is, as in Africa. Approximately 1 billion people throughout the world Go to bed hungry each night. Distressing. That's a distressing figure. You wouldn't think in 2013 that that would be the case, but it is. If you can believe it, more than 3 billion people currently live on less than $2 a day. 3 billion people. Now, we live here in America. You know, we couldn't imagine living on $2 a day. But maybe many, many of the severe poor, especially in Africa and Asia, Live on just $2 a day. But meanwhile, the rich accumulate more and more money. 
So who is exactly this 1% group? Who are they? The global elite are just the, who they are. They're the richest, most powerful people. And the gap between the wealthy and the poor is rapidly growing in the United States, especially. And this means that the middle class is disappearing. And those who are living in poverty continue to grow. But uh, not everybody's doing badly. We have a great stock market, record highs almost. Uh, uh, well, who owns stocks? The rich people. So when you have the stock market going up, it benefits the rich people. It doesn't benefit the poor people. They don't own any stocks. Remember I said 50% of the people have no assets in this country? So how do they benefit by the stock market going up? So it's very, very, very tough here in America for the middle class and for those in poverty to move themselves up. But it's becoming easier and easier for the wealthy to con continue to accumulate wealth at the expense of everybody else. And as I said before, I'm a conservative guy. I believe people should have that benefit. But uh, it seems now that is accelerating to the point of where just the elite will have all the power and all the money. And the rest of us may wind up being serfs. Uh, under their thumb. And that's a big concern. Right, we're going to take another break. 866-472-5788 if you want to join the program. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on Voice America Variety Channel. I'm Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune into Around the World in a Glass, presented by Sportsman's. We're a show all about wine, spirits, and other beverages. Your host, Kimber Stonehouse, is a professional expert and wine enthusiast. Each week, we'll focus on a different region of the world, discuss wines and other beverages, talk about some of the top restaurants in the region, and what to pair with which wine. Just listening could make you almost an expert. Around the World in a Glass is heard live every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna? Call him now at 1-866-472-5788. Or email the show. Here's the address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. We love your emails, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. I promise to get back to each and every one of you. And if, if you know, a few days go by and you don't hear from me, uh, send me another one. I get lots of emails and it's easy for it to get lost. It's amazing how much junk email we get these days. I mean, how can you stop it? 
I mean, I don't know how to stop it. I mean, I get approximately 500 to 1,000 emails a day, of which probably 10% are useful and something I want. How do you get rid of it? I don't know. But it's easy to, uh, to, to lose your emails uh, in that uh, torrent of junk that comes through my email address. But uh, we do the best we can. Comments on a program, things you'd like me to talk about, or you have a personal question on your personal finances, uh, you can uh, contact me, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. And before the break, we were talking about how the wealth in America now is going uh, purely to uh, the elite in the country. And how the middle class is disappearing and how more and more people uh, are entering poverty. And I was talking about a lot of different statistics that are just eye-opening. And uh, we'll continue with some of these statistics. They're that, they're that important. And I think, you know, it's kind of like the, um, you know, they say when you put a frog in, 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 uh, in, in cold water and you slowly heat it up, uh, it won't jump out even until until it dies but if you put it in a hot one, it would jump right out. But it's, it's, it's the slow changes that you don't notice. And that's what's happening here in the country is that slowly, right, the middle class is disappearing. And the poverty class is growing. And the wealthy are making all the money. In the United States today, the wealthiest 1% of all Americans have a greater net worth than the bottom 90% combined. Mind-blowing. The wealthiest 1% of Americans have a greater net worth than the bottom 90% combined. This is revolution stuff. This is really stuff that, that creates revolutions. According to Forbes, the 400th, 400 wealthiest Americans have more wealth than the bottom 150 million Americans combined. There's something wrong with that. I'm sorry. There is something wrong with that. Uh the 400th wealthiest people in the country have more wealth than the bottom 150 million combined. That's crazy. How about this one? The six heirs of Walmart founder Sam Walton have as much wealth as the bottom one-third of all Americans combined. Six people, six Waltons, have more wealth than the bottom one-third of all Americans combined. That doesn't seem right. Now, again, I'm conservative. I mean, they made this fair and square, and they, they built a business and everything else, and, but it just doesn't seem, doesn't seem right. On average, households in the top 7% have 24 times as much wealth as households in the bottom 93%. Between 2009 and 2011, the wealth of the bottom 93% of all Americans declined 4%, while the wealth of the top 7% of all Americans increased by 28%. See the disconnect here? That's amazing. The wealth of the bottom 93% of Americans contracted by 4%, while the wealth of the top 7% of all Americans increased by 28%. Why is that? Because the top 7% of Americans have financial assets, namely stocks and gold. So those assets have appreciated quite, quite nicely, and they're doing very well. Those people have no assets. They can't participate in anything going up unless they just have their house. The poorest 50% of all Americans collectively own just 2.5% of all the wealthy United States. Bottom 50%, 2.5% of the wealthy United States. The top one-tenth of 1% 1 
one-tenth of one percent of Americans make an average of $27,342,000 a year. The bottom 90% make an average of 31244 So obviously we have a huge problem here, and with each passing day, poverty is rising, and uh, the wealthy are getting richer. Just announced last week, 72,600,000 record number of people on Medicaid in 2012. This uh, is more than the populations of France and, United, and, and the United Kingdom. So we have 72,600,000 of, what, 300 million Americans who are on Medicaid welfare, health insurance welfare. The 72,600,000 enrolled in Medicaid was more than the 65,630 thousand people who live in France last year. So it's more than the entire population of France is on Medicaid here in the United States. And more than the 63 million people who lived in the United Kingdom. In fact, if Medicaid was a country rather than a U.S. government program, it would be the 20th most populous nation in the world, ranking just ahead of Thailand, which had 67 million people. So Medicaid was created in 1965 and is funded by both the federal government and the state government, and it is designed to provide health care coverage to low-income Americans, which we need to do. People need health care coverage regardless of whether they're poor or not. So uh, we, we need to have that program. But the fact that so many people are in that program is a reflection on government. It's a reflection on the economy, and it's a reflection on policies that are creating this poverty. Now, the bankers did what they did in 2007, 2008, caused a crash and all that. They got bailed out. They're doing real well right now. Stock market's doing good. But meanwhile, we hear that more and more people are entering Medicaid. Also, a record number of people are on Social Security disability. Well, geez, if you can't find a job, you might as well say your back hurts and get government benefits. And it seems like the government's almost encouraging people to go on disability. So many people are being approved, and the process used to be much more difficult to get it. And now almost everybody who applies is being approved. And again, who pays for that? We do. It's a system that's going to go broke. And more and more people now are dependent, almost half the country is dependent on the government for a check or some kind of service. And when you get there, uh, you've hit the, 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 the marginal line. Now you are in a situation now where it's totally downhill from there. Because what will happen is the populace will vote in representatives and government and presidents that will give them stuff because they have their hand out. Now, I'm not begrudging them that. Let's face it. I'd want to vote for people who are going to give me more food stamps, more welfare, a free cell phone, pay my electric bill. If I was in that situation, I certainly uh, would be voting for people that agree with that. So I understand where these people come from. I'm not, I'm not begrudging them. But the fact that we have so many people in that situation is what bothers me. Because I know what's going to happen is that the welfare state will continue to grow. The budget deficits of the United States will continue to grow. The debt of the United States now at $17 trillion will continue to grow until it's unsustainable. 
at which point the whole thing collapses and uh, nobody gets anything. And that's where we're headed, folks. I mean, I'm sorry. You know, I hate to be a guy that, that talks negative all the time, but that's where we're headed. And the average American has no idea. They just know that, you know, hey, you put on a TV, my TV show's on, my uh, food stamps and uh, unemployment check come. That's all they know. But they don't know that how tenuous the situation in the country is. And when you have an administration uh, that likes to give people stuff, uh, it's not going to get better anytime soon. And the thing is, once these people get on these programs, whether it's Medicaid, whether it's uh, disability, they don't go away. And we certainly know people go on Social Security, uh, they're not going away until they die. So they're going to be handing that check for the rest of their lives. And they take Social Security, you retire at 62, and you live to be 95. That's 33 years. That the government's going to be cutting you a check. If we do the math, if you're just getting a thousand a month, right? That's twelve thousand a year times thirty-three years. So that's what four hundred thousand dollars you'll be paid over the course of your retirement. Times that by ten thousand people who are entering the Social Security system every day, and sooner or later that pops. So between regular Social Security, Social Security disability, Medicaid, food assistance, Medicare, the entitlement society has exploded. And that's why the country has a very, very dim future. And almost to the point of where these benefits may have to be cut back in the future. And if that happens, try to take away somebody's benefits. Somebody's used to getting $1,000, cut them back to 700 and see how they react. All you have to do is look at Europe and see their austerity programs and how that affects society there. Tremendous civil unrest. People who are used to getting certain benefits, you take them away, they revolt. And that'll be the true same thing here. So either they cut benefits or the Federal Reserve will continue to massively print money, which I think is really the way it's going to go. And we will end up with a, a currency crisis uh, and a hyperinflationary problem in this country. All right, 866-472-5788 if you want to be part of the program. One more segment left in the program. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on Voice America's Variety Channel. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't, don't go away. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. 
Tune in to Our Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. There should be mandatory personal finance courses taught in both high school and college. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Financial illiteracy is the number one reason the average American has little or no net worth. America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you now. Give him a call at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Lou. All right, welcome back to this thing we call the Financial Physician. Lou Skatigna here. We get together Monday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. on the West Coast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for telling your friends about our program. Reminder about the website, thefinancialphysician.com. Visit my daily blog. Uh, You'll read stuff and see stuff there that you won't see pretty much anywhere else, certainly not on the mainstream media or the mainstream financial uh, media. Uh, That's thefinancialphysician.com. My email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Dot com. Let's talk about the markets. I mean, uh, some interesting action last week in, in the stock market. After hitting record highs, the stock market took a big reversal on Friday, ending down over 200 points. A lot of people talking about uh, the Fed talking about maybe tapering off their stimulus, their money printing, their buying of bonds, uh, which is ridiculous. It's not going to happen. But the Fed comes out and Ben Bernanke talks out of both sides of his mouth. He says we'll give more stimulus if necessary, although we'll taper it off if we start seeing the economy improve and so forth. So it basically gives everything to everybody and uh, the markets gyrate wildly over this. But the market looks very, very toppy here. The market is way overextended. It's gone up without uh, the significant economic growth to warrant it. And I've said that many times in this program is the stock market's going up purely because it's being pushed up by the Fed money printing. Monetary inflation is what's pushing up the stock market, not the growth of the economy. And we've seen this market so overly extended beyond its 200-day moving average that it may crash. We could see a 20% to 30% crash in this market in a relatively short amount of time. It has been rolling over. It looks very, very toppy. It's a very crowded trade, meaning that a lot of people have a lot of profits that have been in the stock market, and they're not going to give it back, especially institutional investors. They lived through 2008. They're not going to give it back. If this market turns south, they're going to book their profits, and you're going to have a significant amount of um, of uh, selling into the market. So I'm very, very concerned about a market decline here. Also, the bond market is very, very concerning. The bond market, which is the most important market in the world right now, is the U.S. Treasury bond market. It's been held up purely because the Federal Reserve is printing $85 billion a month and buying bonds from investment banks. See, when the Fed has – when the Treasury, U.S. Treasury has an auction, and they have them all the time because they need to borrow money all the time. They need to fund our trillion-dollar deficit, and they need to fund bonds that are maturing. 
You know, bonds mature, and you know the Fed's uh, uh, average maturity is something like a year. Eh, maybe it's a little higher. Maybe it's closer to two years. So you know, bonds are maturing all the time. So we never pay back that debt. We just issue a new bond and roll it over. So the Fed, the Treasury, has to raise approximately three to four trillion dollars a year to these auctions. And who's going to buy these auctions? Foreigners? Well, foreigners have cut back on their purchases of securities, especially the main buyer, China. Why was China the main buyer? Because they had a huge trade surplus with us, and they had a lot of dollars coming into their treasury. So they have to take that money and invest it somewhere, and what they were doing is buying U.S. Treasury bonds. And they've accumulated a trillion dollars worth of our debt, and they've had enough of it. They see the policies of this government. They're not getting any yield on their money. If the U.S. dollar drops, they're going to lose on top of the fact that they're not getting anything. And we're seeing now the bond market start to go down and interest rates start to go up. And when the Fed loses control of the bond market, it's game over because the bond market is in the biggest bubble of any asset class we've ever seen. I mean, think about it. Would you lend the U.S. government money for 10 years? For 2%. I wouldn't. And why would you do that? You'd have to be nuts. Because the downside risk is certainly greater than 2%. You could lose 30 or 40% in principal value as interest rates, interest rates rise. And it's starting to rise. And it's a very concerning thing for me. Now, in Japan, Japan's been doing massive quantitative easing. More than the United States has been doing. And we're seeing their bond market go down and their yields go up. Why would that be? Because people are concerned that the value of the yen is being debased because they're printing so much yen. Why would you want to have a yen-denominated bond? And they've lost control of their bond market. Now, our bond market, which recently was as low as 1.6, 1.5% on a 10-year bond, is now yielding 2.16. That's a significant move up in rates, a 25% move up in rates, if not greater. In just a short amount of time. And this is where I am keeping my eye on it. If this bond market takes out 2.5% on the, uh, the 10-year bond, uh, all hell will break loose. And that's what the stock market's looking at as well. So if you're in the stock market right now, I'd be very, very concerned. I would ratchet down my risk. I would take profits. And you know, I know it's sloppy too. I'm starting to get calls from clients who are in more conservative investments uh, who want to uh, invest in the stock market. And I know when I start hearing that, that we're at a top. So the market Friday was down 200 points. The charts look awful. And the risk, whether it happens or not, it's another story, but the risk of a downturn in the market, a substantial downturn, a scary downturn in the market is very high at this point, in my opinion. And the same is true of the bond market. And that's the last thing that this world economy needs is crashing markets. But it looks like that may be the case between now and the end of the year. So uh, my suggestion, as I suggested in 2007 and 2008, I saw it coming. I advise my listeners, I advise my clients to lower their uh, stock market exposure. And in many cases, I recommend it to zero. And I would, in this case, tell people both to not only cut down your stock market exposure, but your U.S. Treasury bond market exposure as well. Well, where would you put the money then? Well, cash doesn't pay anything, but at least for the most part, cash is safe. 
And then if you have a downturn in the markets, like I think I see coming, uh, that would give you a tremendous buying opportunity because I believe over time, stock market's going much, much higher. I believe we'll see 50,000 on the down. But it'll be happening because we're having inflation. And the down may be going up, but not in real terms when we take the inflation rate into concern. And inflation, very, very low right now, will become very, very high in the future as the dollar declines and we start seeing uh, prices go up. And inflation, people have a, a misconception of what inflation is. I mean, inflation is not rising prices. I mean, that's what we all think of inflation, but that's the symptom. Rising prices is the symptom of inflation. Inflation is the expansion of the money supply. And we know the Federal Reserve has been expanding the money supply dramatically. Uh, just before the crisis hit in 2007, 2008, uh, the Federal Reserve had $600 billion in assets, meaning they had printed that much money and they bought bonds and they were holding $600 billion. Now it's over $3 trillion. They print money and they buy bonds. So that money has been printed and that money, once it enters the system, will cause inflation like we've never seen before. And that will be a rising stock market as well, but not before a major, major decline. And a scary decline that I think is coming here in 2013. And put together with it so many other issues that are affecting the world. We have uh, uh, war drums being beaten in the Middle East. It looks like we're closer and closer and closer to maybe war breaking out there between Israel uh, and Syria and Iran and Lebanon uh, and the Palestinians and maybe even Egypt. We have uprisings now in Turkey. We have problems in Europe. We know the banking system is in trouble there. And uh, and there's a lot of the things that can happen between now and year end that can affect markets. So be very, very cautious. One place to look is the gold market. The gold market is the place to protect wealth. I think with the decline that we've seen engineered recently, that uh, gold is incredibly cheap here at $1,400 an ounce. And I think that's a place that people need to look to protect themselves. All right, we're at the end of our hour. It goes so fast here on a financial physician. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We get together every Monday, 9 a.m. Eastern time and uh, repeated at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember my website, thefinancialphysician.com. Read my blog each and every day. And uh, my email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Have a wonderful week, and please join me next Monday and every Monday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 